This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. Now, obviously, the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. and welcome to Galactic Yoga, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world and I have to do with them. I'm your host Molly Marsh and I'm just lying on my bed for today's intro um, at the end of another hard day uh, working um, at my kitchen table. My patience um, for working at the kitchen table um, is is becoming a little bit thin um, but you know such is life. I'm actually going to stand up because I feel very weird delivering this from the bed. Um, this week on the podcast, though, um, so I, I had two podcasts in the bag this week that I've that I recorded um, with, with different people. I've decided to actually put out the second one that I recorded first because it makes more sense um, in terms of the, the topics covered. So uh, you're going to have to wait a little longer to hear the, hear the first one I, I recorded. Um, but, uh, but this week's episode is with Evan Jones, who is a person I first met, um, I believe, at the at the Quiz of Rassilon, um, back in the before times, um, when things like that happened in the in the physical realm. So I've I've known Evan in in some capacity for a little while, but I hadn't thought to um, invite him on the podcast until I uh, started reading his blog, um, which is about the maths of Doctor Who. And I'm not a, a big maths person. I've never been particularly great at maths. I'm not a maths fan, but he manages on his blog to combine maths and Doctor Who and make it really, really interesting. So um, off the back of that bo- uh, blog, I, I invited him uh, to, to speak to me on the podcast. And he said that he wanted to speak to me about Doctor Who video games. Um, so I said, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and that's what we did. Um, so we talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about maths and his blog. And yeah, I had a, I had a great time with, with Evan. Um, I think that's all the admin for this week. Um, as always, if you want to send me an email about anything... Please do uh, go back to yogapod at gmail.com. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Evan Jones. Uh, I'm here with uh, Evan Jones. Um, how would you describe yourself, Evan? I always find it hard to, to give these pithy um, uh, sort of taglines for people in my intros. You're, you're, you describe yourself as a, a Doctor Who fan, writer? Uh, Doctor Who fan, uh, mathematical blogger. Uh, yeah, that's 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 me. Yeah, I was going to get to that <laughs> mathematical blogger. So I've been I've been reading your um, your uh, blog, which which sort of takes a look at both maths and Doctor Who in tandem. And it is as somebody who has no real interest in maths, it is really great. Um, and I want to know how you found yourself landing on this combination of maths and Doctor Who, uh, Evan. Well, in a nutshell. I like maths and I like Doctor Who, and I thought, what happens if we put them together? Uh, that's 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 the formula to it, really. 
Um, in terms of in terms of coming about with the the idea for the blog series, it was a case of uh, meeting up with various Doctor Who fans at events like the um, the BFI screenings and the Quiz Rassilon in 2019. I first went along to those in that year, uh, meeting lots of Doctor Who fans, seeing uh, the kinds of blogs and opinions they're doing online. I'm a big fan of the um, uh, Sam Molesky's and uh, Script Scribbles blog, uh, Downtime. And it's just, it's also great to see, you know, fans discoursing about the show. And I thought, what sort of new angle could I bring on it? What could sort of uh, bring something new to the discussion? I thought, well, I'm, I'm into maths. I spent four <laughs> years studying at a maths degree at Exeter. Um, I never thought to put the two together whilst I was there because, you know, I was involved with the Exeter University Doctor Who Society and I was studying maths degree and they were just kind of separate in my head. And now sort of having moved on, I thought, actually, let's let's bring them together and see what kinds of uh, ideas come come out of and that. Has it been easy to sort of find the maths in Doctor Who or, you know, or is it do you have to look quite hard? Um. I, I suppose when I when I maths is everywhere, I guess, right? It it is kind of everywhere, yes. Uh, and I and when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, has anyone really done this before as well? Is it kind of a new angle? Mm. So I did I did a bit of a Google, and the only things I really found connecting sort of maths and Doctor Who were some interviews with Stephen Thompson, who used to be a maths teacher before he started writing for Doctor Who, and uh, this wonderful article by Beth Graham in the in the Tides of Time. It's called A Mass Man with a Box, and she does kind of a whistle stop tour through all these sort of mathematical ideas in the show. And I thought this is it's, it's sort of a great starting point. And I kind of wanted to sort of delve a little bit deeper into that. And I've I've been really surprised in some of sort of the connections I, I've managed to make through that. Well, when when I think of maths uh, and Doctor Who, I think of that scene in the Five Doctors. Um, You're going to have to remind where, me, it's been a while. Where uh, the Doctor has to make uh, his way across um, a sort of landmined floor in the death zone, and somehow he uses pi in order to make his way across, and he says, oh, it was as easy as pi. The Master gives him this riddle, <laughs> and, he, and he says, it's easy as pi, and then he works out that he means pi in the mathematical sense. But there's no... You're just looking at it thinking, how, Doctor, did Pi <laughs> help you to understand this, the, the path across this floor? It's, it's, it's been ages since I've seen the five Doctors, but I'm guessing it has something to do with the squares on the chessboard being the numbers in the digits I, I of Pi. I think so. I, I don't think the show ever makes it clear. I, it, it, <laughs> it's that tendency of Doctor Who in the 1980s to be like, let's make the Doctor do something that is very clearly clever, but not actually... Yes explain what it is it's the whole sick doctor yeah. thing of of using ridiculous verbose language it's like oh the doctor would yeah. know about maths what's the first maths thing we can think of <laughs> pi um that's that's not just doctor who that's actually kind of people linking maths in in other parts of fiction right. as well and i think maths is just it's just a shorthand for a clever person um, you've even got that with with companions like Adric and Zoe Harriet, yes. who, are, who are both mathematicians. Have you got a um, a, a badge for mathematical excellency? Uh, I haven't. I've yet to be awarded one. But if anyone would like to <laughs> to give me one, 
Uh, I I'd very much appreciate. You've got your it. degree certificate, I suppose, though. That's that's. A, I suppose that's my. That is your badge of honor, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. So, wh- where have you found for for people who haven't looked at the blog, uh, in which uh, nooks and crannies of Doctor Who have you found uh, maths so far? Uh, at the time of recording this, the most recent one I've done, which we've published the week of recording, is on uh, the curse of Fenric and game theory. So I look at the the prisoner's dilemma which is something that's alluded to very early on in the story. And then it's kind of just left in the, in the background as sort of that diagram on the blackboard. And I thought, well, that's actually a really interesting, it's probably the most famous problem in the, in the field of maths of game theory. And I suppose I should also explain what, what game theory is. It's just sort of the mathematics You're gonna need of, to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mathematics of sort of decision-making and trying to sort of anticipate what your opponents are going to do and what's going to give you the oh, best Oh, so like, like in chess outcome. then, or, or games like that? Yeah, like in chess. Yeah. Chess is kind of the the the, uh, the visual analogy they have for it in, in the story mm. as well. So it's and, and that sort of becomes sort of like the abstract representation for what's going on in the story. And then it eventually leads to the, the conclusion where the uh, the pawns, the two the two soldiers from the opposing sides, work together uh, rather than fight against each other because that's actually the best outcome. Because the the bottom line with the prisoner's dilemma is that if you if you try to avoid the worst case scenario for yourself, you don't get to achieve the best case scenario for everyone. And so that's kind of the trap that they've fallen into. Right. And then we see that succeed with the soldiers but then we see the consequences of that i think with fenric and the ancient one at the end because they just they just destroy each other Got you. at the end of the story um so it's it's a really nice thematic idea that's just sort of there in the background and i wanted to bring that to the surface mm. uh, with my writing you also did another one about the rings of akaten and infinity yes and i found that really interesting i find infinity as a concept completely uh alluring um yes i watched it and you 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 wouldn't be surprised to know that i've had a chat with will shaw about yes, that yeah will shaw writer of course of the yeah, the, of the of obverse books rings of akaten black archive um book um yes but yeah infinity just you know boggles my mind as i'm sure it does yours um i watched a video recently a vsource video about counting past infinity um, using sets, um, which I found completely baffling, but also incredibly fascinating. Um, what did you What did you glean about Infinity from uh, the Rings of Akaten? Um Without spoiling well, it, it for people who haven't read the the blog post, I suppose. Oof. <laughs> Don't jump to the conclusion this time. Uh, it's I, I suppose with with Infinity it. You know, as, as you said, it's a fascinating idea. Uh, but also I thought, well, where's sort of the maths in that? And I, I think sort of the connection there is actually sort of the um, the religious themes in the Rings of Akaten and how maths can actually have quite a spiritual quality to it, as well as uh, sort of the uh, the theoretical and analytical aspect to it. Yeah, because so maths, kind maths of... at its heart is kind of about belief in a sense, isn't it? Because it's all... Mm. Matt, forgive me if I'm oversimplifying uh, your area of study, but <laughs> maths is kind of where science is about observable things. Maths is about things that we can conceive of, isn't it? Is yeah, that, is that I, I broadly think I, true? I sometimes think of it. 
yeah I, I sometimes think it is like applied philosophy mm. if we if we all agree on the same starting principles it's what the logical consequences of that just sort of building from that uh that's that's what i and, what the, I and, and of course that of has physical that has applications in the physical world but yes it's yeah it's not a case of yeah it's it's different right to to, to science. yeah you you've, you've you've got some level of of subjectivity there in terms of applying it to the real world mm. and um and just trying to sort because of, because that's what modeling is about really um you've got to sort of you've got to think about how you can best represent the world around you in some sort of mathematical model yeah and, and that, uh, yeah and there are some things that are true in mathematical terms that that are plainly impossible in reality right like the whole yes. thing about doing infinity by halves so you have a cake you 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 chop i'm going to explain this really badly you're going to explain it better than me you know the thing i'm talking about right and you you make half of a half and half of a half and that would theoretically go on forever because you can always half mm-hmm. the distances of something yes but you've can still you put got that better for me because i i feel like i've explained that for the listeners really badly <laughs> Uh, I'm, I wasn't actually that familiar with it in the first place. I was wondering where you were going to go with it. It's so. it's in the sense that if you if you if you chop a cake, and then you chop the the half of the cake in half, you can do that forever in from a theoretical yes. point of view. But plainly in reality, that is that is not possible. Yes, <laughs> there's there's a, there's a point where you get to such a small level. It's infinitesimally that you've got the small. Thinnest slice yes. of cake ever. Exactly. Um, but from a maths point of view, it's like where well, you can always have half of a nanometer of half of a nanometer of half of a nanometer. Yes, yeah, you, know. so you can just sort of go on continuously yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is very fun to think about. <laughs> I like to think so. I think maths is fun. You know, I didn't enjoy maths um, very much at school, but then again, we we didn't um, connect it to Doctor Who. So maybe if we had, I'd have um, I'd have enjoyed maths a lot more. And I've enjoyed yes, reading your get blog me post. To rewrite so the syllabus in terms of Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, yeah, that would that would sort me out. Um, Brilliant. So, winding things uh, back a little bit further, how did you originally fall in love with with Doctor Who, Evan? Uh, the first episode of Doctor Who I watched was Dalek uh, by Rob Sherman. By the podcast uh, very own I... friend of the podcast, Rob Sherman. Yes, uh, and I've even met him a, a couple of times. He's a very nice, He's very an nice man. Absolute gent, isn't he? He is, um, and and part of the reason why I got to meet him was because I ran a Doctor Who society at the university he went to, so he had good cause mm. to come back and visit Exeter, um, which was really nice. Uh, but yeah, that was the first episode, and I didn't watch it on the live broadcast. A friend of mine from primary school brought home this thing called a videotape that he'd recorded it on and and showed it to me. And then that's when I became, I just became hooked instantly. And then from the long game onwards, I'm, I'm just watching the show. Um, so it's quite an interesting introduction to the show because it's kind of, it's kind of like a, even though it's halfway through the series, it was kind of like a second jumping on point. I, I think it was think kind of designed that way, actually. Yeah, by, mm. by um, Russell and the, the rest of the production team at the time. Yes. And it, and it worked brilliantly. So, yeah. And then from the long game onwards, I was watching on the live broadcast. Um, and, yeah. And then Empty Child was my first cliffhanger. Uh, I missed Boomtown, though, because I was away on a school trip, which meant it ran, which ran Saturday to Saturday. I was gone for a week. So then I came back just in time for the broadcast of Bad Wolf. And because I hadn't seen the 
previous episode. One that was that was great because I hadn't seen Aliens of London and World War Three at that point, so I didn't even know about the Slovene. And then secondly, I hadn't seen the next time trailer, which shows a very brief clip of, of a Dalek, of a Dalek right yeah. at the end. So when I went into Bad Wolf, I went into completely and utterly blind. And I find it goes back to the first two episodes of Doctor Who I'd watched. Oh, of course, was, yeah, the Dalek and the Long Game. Yeah, fantastic. Exactly. The first, the, my starting point, it was almost like the television was talking to me at yeah. that point. Because, uh, yeah, it was just incredible. And it was, you know, the most exciting 90 minutes of television. Because at that point, I didn't know anything about Doctor Who. And I didn't realise the Daleks were there, I think, until maybe when the controller is exterminated sort of about halfway mm. through the story. So it was a complete surprise. And I didn't know about regeneration. So when you oh, get man. to the end of the story and you're like, whoa. God, that must have been such a thrill. Gone. That must have been such a thrill. I had the, the situation where my dad was a big fan and had introduced me to the show. So I kind of, I'd watched a little bit of classic Who and I had the whole the whole backstory of regeneration I had I knew that Chris was going and I was actually surprised that I thought he was going at Christmas but I still I've mm-hmm. never had that shock that that people like you have had of of seeing a regeneration for the first time and in some ways I wish yes. I wish I was able to experience that but alas uh, but yeah and then as I said with it being the most exciting 90 minutes of television ever I watched Doctor Who waiting for something as good as that but it never will be because i know too much about the show now that's the curse um, of the the doctor doctor who fan really isn't it it is yes um what was so thrilling then uh, as well was that it was you know it was uh the whole idea of the seat of the doctor who season finale was a brand new thing i mean i suppose yes. if if you'd watched enough contemporary television you'd know that okay something big's coming in the finale because that's how tv works now but as a kid i had no idea so this idea that that you know routinely at the end of a season something massive would happen and the stakes would get really high that was really new and uh yes yeah the, no one was like no one was gearing up for the series finale at the end of series 1 from my point of view it just it just kind of came out of nowhere i mean and totally and then from every series on you're like oh what's what's the series finale going to be this time and i think russell t davis did a really good job of trying to up the stakes each time with each of those finales, because then I'm watching it as David Tennant, and that's going through, you know, my childhood, mm. ten about ages ten to fourteen, the perfect time to watch Doctor Who, really, and and it, it it always seemed more exciting. But even after that first series, I then went away and read new series adventure novels. I had Monsters and Villains by Justin Richards. I was already learning about the history of the show, and I also I remember when I watched uh, Army of Ghosts. You have that 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 twist with, with obviously the Daleks coming out of the void sphere. And then in the next time trailer, they mentioned the Genesis arc. And already at that point, I went Daleks, Genesis, Genesis of the Daleks, Davros. Davros is in the Genesis arc. And I spent a whole week waiting for Davros to come out with the Genesis arc. And he oh, doesn't. No, what a and disappointment. Then I was just, I was disappointed. And then I learned not to come up with fan theories. At yeah. You'll, you'll always be disappointed. I'm just be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So when did you, this is a question I always ask, but when, when did you make the transition then from uh, being someone who watched Doctor Who to being a true fan? When did you meet other people who, um, who enjoyed the show? Um, I suppose, because you've asked what, you know, what, what point I consider myself a fan. I always think I was a fan from, from the go, really. But it was just the case that as every era went along, 
it's increased even more. So I started with Eccleston. Tennant was sort of, you know, part of my childhood growing up. And then you get to the Matt Smith era, and then I start sort of going online. I'm reading Doctor Who website. I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm interacting with, with fans through that. Then you get to the Peter Capaldi era, and I went to university. And I think that was my first real interaction with organised fandom. I never went to any sort of conventions or anything like that until until I went to university and then, yes, joined the ex-university Doctor Who Society and thought, this is a great group of people. I'd like to be the president of it. <laughs> and, that's, and then that's how I got to, you know, start meeting other people who had been involved in the show and uh, seeing what's, what's going on in sort of wider fandom and, you know, through the Doctor Who and the internet. My university didn't have a Doctor Who Society. I'm always so jealous when people talk about their university Doctor Who Societies. <laughs> I, I probably should have started one, but I, I was... I was. You, you should have done, yeah, yes. I, was busy I doing mean, I was things. very fortunate that when I arrived, it had just started. It was a group of people who were part of that 2005 generation, uh, and they'd started it almost just in time for me, the anniversary year. So, that you know, that was that was great in terms of meeting up uh, and then it was the first time I watched, started watching Classic Who, uh, the freshest screening. We watched City of Death, so that was just the perfect. Well, it's all downhill from there, isn't it? As well, it's yeah, fantastic introduction, started... but it's the best one as well. <laughs> yes, and then you watch the rest of Classic Who, waiting it for it to be as good as City mm, of Death. Mm. <laughs> so uh, the curse of Dalek is, and, and Bad Wolf parting of the ways is struck all over again. <laughs> Uh, that must have been great though discovering classic who and i think you know classic who it can be um a slower paced beast and a harder to sink your teeth into so it's always a great thing to discover alongside other people yes and and having someone uh you know we had this fantastic screening secretary uh called called dan dan whelans um who i who i know is still all who who's still part of sort of organised fandom. He's written for a few like uh, charity anthologies. There was a recent one by Paul Driscoll called Masterpieces, and he wrote a story for that. Um, but he likes to do that. And then he was a mature student. He grew up with the Sylvester McCoy era. And so he had all the DVDs, basically. So we had free reign of whatever we wanted to pick for, for, uh, for our society screening. Well, he so was he a, knew a his useful way around. person to have on board then. Exactly, and and was able to recommend lots of good stories, and um, and also being as someone who grew up in the eighties was someone who was quite uh, an ardent defender of of Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, right. who seemed to get a bit more of a rap, I think, than some of the classic Doctors. Yeah, I think um, both have been reappraised. I think mm. McCoy's TV stuff has been reappraised, um, and I think Colin Baker has been reappraised via the avenue of Big Finish. Uh, by and yes. Large. Um, but yeah, and in, and indeed he got me into Big Finish, and then I and I, the first main range I heard was Jubilee by Rob Shearman, again which is based it's on all downhill from Rob there. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> you started to see a pattern yeah. here about how fortunate I've been with every time I get into some form of Doctor Who. I start with the best, and it's all downhill trying to chase. Yeah, it. yeah, that's that's life though, isn't it? Really, Ch- chasing chasing yeah. uh, the thrills of of. Uh, bygone era um yes wow okay i maybe we should move on to unpopular opinions now yes i think we should shouldn't we um (laughs) you've got an unpopular opinion for me evan um about doctor who video games go ahead uh yes so my unpopular opinion regarding that is there has never been a great doctor who video game 
And because I don't think that's strong enough a statement as is, I'm going to add on the end, and there probably never will be. Now, this has been something that people have talked about for years because it's kind of common. It's the common consensus that um, that there's never been a good Doctor Who video game, but everybody's <laughs> always hoping that there will be one. Um, yes. Why do you think that that we're never going to get that? Um, well, I, I suppose we could start by talking about the games that have been in the past. Let's do that. And considering why, why, what worked, what didn't, and then what kind of trends that might maybe points out about uh, the Doctor Who video games and what that might say about the future. Uh, so this is the point where I've now got to do a, a crash course in the history of Doctor Who video games. So uh, where, where do we start? We can start, we start with some of the, there's a handful of games uh, before the show came back in 2005. And you've got things like... Uh, Doctor Who, the first adventure. I know that's that's an ambitious title for a show that's already been going for twenty years. It came out in nineteen eighty three. Is the, was this um, a sort of BBC computer type? Yeah, on, game. on the yeah. BBC Micro, you had that, and then they had you know a couple of text adventures. I think you had one like there was Doctor Who and the Warlord, Doctor Who and the Minds of Terror, and they they all seem to be kind of, you know, uh, taking other formats of other mm. games. Like the first adventure has all these mini games based on things like Pac-Man, yeah. and it's just about reskinning it with a with with a Doctor Who aesthetic, yeah. really. Yeah. So it's it's more it's more about trying to commercialize the brand rather than making something that's perhaps a worthwhile game to play. Sure, yeah. From what I've read about all those, it seems like they were they were kind of already existing games, and they yeah they just tweaked a few elements of it to make it Doctor Who themed. Mm-hmm. But perhaps the, the best one of all of them was in 1997 with Destiny, Destiny of, the of the Doctors. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, and I, I, I'm very fond of that purely because of the master and his, his red bubble car <laughs> in that. Um, and I, I only learned very recently after doing some research that Terence Dix wrote the scenes for that. I, did, I didn't know that. So for the uninitiated, um, Anthony Ainley is actually in that game in pre-recorded video segments in between the gameplay right yeah um i've got a copy of this game somewhere but i i've never been able to find a machine that it will play on um because <laughs> technology's moved on so yeah much. do you use an emulator like what do you how have you played this game uh tragically i've never actually played it i've watched other people <laughs> play it um i my, my my doctor who game experience is larger with with the the post 2005 ones uh but i you know, Mastercar. He drives a car. He likes to be mean. Mastercar. Uh, I'm referencing the Doctor Who Proof YouTube channel now, but some people might not even know that was a meme. Uh, but it's uh, it's 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 so great, I think, in that and that Terence Sticks was like, "Well, John Pertwee had a car. Let's give the Master his own car." Um, and that's only a small section of the game, but you've got all these. You, you play like this this creature called Grok and you're wandering around the TARDIS trying to find these these mini games and avoid being shot by various Doctor Who monsters who happen to just be wandering around in the TARDIS. I'm not really sure what the the conceit of the story yeah, yeah. is at that point. Uh, it's just well, we need some monsters and um, we, we can and afford we need, to we render a, a single a single location. So exactly, it, yeah, it's got to be the TARDIS. And it has to be recognisable. 
um, you know, so you know they did a they did a lot of work in terms of yes, having Anthony Anius the master, and it's also got recorded dialogue from all of the the living doctors at that point. Um, except I think I think they had John Pertwee booked, and then they had to use archive clips because he obviously right. passed away. Is Paul McGann in? Uh, I didn't realize. I thought that Paul McGann was. Oh no, Paul McGann's not in yeah. it. I think the development of that game was actually finished before the TV movie came right. out, okay. but it came out after the TV movie. Just curiously, uh, from a from you know production and release. This point. is the late nineties when uh, the Doctor Who brand was just all over the shop, and <laughs> seemed like any there was no one really keeping track of. The, the brand identity of Doctor Who at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so you've got these various gameplay segments, you're going around the tiles. It wasn't particularly, it doesn't look particularly easy to control or particularly fun to play or, or looks particularly, uh, not particularly great visuals. So it's, it seemed to be, it, again, it's just a case of how can we get something together quickly and, and put that out for, uh, to sort of appease Doctor Who fans during this 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 wilderness years period yeah. uh then then you've got post 2005 where they they start trying again um you've got you had a they had a top trumps doctor who game that came out around series three yeah this is um, just top trumps though right just but just on it it is it's, on just, the game it's just top trumps but you know the and i didn't i didn't learn until many years later because i never i never uh, I never bought a copy myself because I thought, well, it looks rubbish. It's just it's just a piece of artwork from Smith and Jones with, with top trumps uh, slapped on the front. Uh, but they used the artwork from the Infinite Quest in it. Right. Okay. Uh, it's all 2D animation. Oh, I didn't realise uh, that. So that's that was probably someone seeing an opportunity there. It's like, oh, we've got this artwork. We, we Doctor Who's big. Uh, let's release a Doctor Who top trumps. Uh, but there's there's not much to comment on about that. It, the point where they start in earnest again, uh, and that was my entry, and this is my entry into Doctor Who video games, was the adventure yeah. games that came out at the beginning of Matt Smith's tenure. I never played these. Um, I think my I think maybe my internet connection was too slow at the time or something. But I never I never so played you, them. So you couldn't download them. Yeah, I don't know. In truth, I've never been a big computer games person. Um, so I maybe I just maybe I just didn't it didn't appeal to me but um but yeah uh i've never played them are they any good yeah um i would say personally they are the the best attempt in terms of making doctor who as as a video game i mean it does help for a start that they were made available for free so the entry point (laughs) the cost point uh was 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 good uh but they're they're reasonably good games and then you know they had the episodic format they did one there was city of the daleks there was blood of the cybermen uh, there was one called tardis and there's one shadows of the bastion narada and the gunpowder plot and they were they were written by doctor who writers they had phil ford and james moran mm. as the writers on those so you know there's there's some some reasonably good storytelling but it's it's trying to it's trying to encapsulate Doctor Who in a video game format that also appeals to a young audience and what that involves is wandering around a level some stealth sections avoiding monsters uh, solving some fairly simple puzzles which probably don't match the intellect of the doctor <laughs> and then and then and then solving solving the mystery or saving the day uh, somehow so I think they kind of got the, the sort of the general sort of story beats yeah. of a, of a generic doctor who story but there's nothing particularly exceptional at, at, in terms of gameplay it sounds like they're trying to uh, tick too many g- 
gameplay boxes. It's like, is it an action game? Is it a is it a uh, puzzle solving game or is it a mystery game? Like, it doesn't seem to know. Exactly, and uh, it's yes, because it's it's because it, we, we we sit here as Doctor Who fans and ask, well, what is Doctor Who? Mm. And 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 what it is, and the thing is, there's no there's no one type fits all. So to try and sort of boil it down into you know as a sort of generic action adventure episode with gameplay in elements interspersed with it, um, I suppose the one thing that's quite nice with the video games is that they go they try and do things that they can't do in the TV show. So the first episode, City of the Daleks, you you go back to 1963 and then it's London's been destroyed by a Dalek invasion, and you're thinking, well, that's the kind of visuals maybe they can't quite mm. achieve in the TV series or the one after Blood of the Simon, it's at an Arctic base and you're going around sort of glaciers right, and, right. and ice caves. So they're kind of things that perhaps aren't aren't as achievable on a, like a low TV budget, but you've got a bit more scope in, term, in much the same way that Big Finish with their audios just go anywhere because as long as they can make it sound like they're there, yes. you are there. Yeah, so that 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 is one opportunity that they can... Yeah, that they, they that is available to them, isn't it? That isn't on telly. Yes, um, but then I think after the sort of un- the, you know you know they got you know over a million downloads, I think, or something like that, and then the kind of hubris set in and like, well, we can just license more. So then you got uh, one of the most disappointing games in my collection, which is Doctor Who: Return to Earth for the Nintendo Wii. Uh, have you played it? No, or seen anything? I haven't. To do that? I've seen. Billy Garrett John and Matthew Toffolo play it on um did they play this one actually or did they play the Eternity Clock? It was a similar time, right? Similar Yes, similar time. Eternity Clock came out for the for the PlayStation right. 3. So I think they play that yes. on uh, I've seen them play that on YouTube. Does it have River Song in it? Yes, yes, I think it's that one. It must played. be the Eternity yes. Clock. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but it's it's one of the two and I know they came out at a similar time. Uh yeah. Uh, I think Return to Earth, and then there was a DS game that went with it called Evacuation Earth, and that sort of came out towards the end of 2010. Uh, Eternity Clock, I think, is about 2012, because it fits in that sort of Series 6, 7 era with with the 11th Doctor and and River Song, uh, story-wise. But yeah, Return to Earth, uh, it just... It was it was a pretty scathing. I, I was a regular reader of official Nintendo magazine at that point, and it got 19%. Uh, which is a, a low score even by even by their standards, uh, and uh, they, I think they described it as a profoundly miserable experience. Oh God! <laughs> which was, you know, pr- pretty biting. Um, you know, and you've got this, you know, twenty thirty pound product, and I think it takes about two hours to what to, to play through it. the whole thing. Yeah, the whole game. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, two hours, and I think I think they started developing it the same year it came out, so they must have spent no more than six to nine months making this. Yeah, and it can't and, have had a, a particularly big budget. No, it, no. Um, it was, you know, and you, you get that a lot, I think, with video games that tie in with commercial media, such as television programmes and films as well, um, where they they say, right, the film's coming out at this point, we need a game out by this point, uh, you, you've we need someone to make a game and release it within that time scale, mm. rather than sort of delaying the game until they've got something that's eventually worthwhile yeah, yeah. purchasing and playing. Because uh, that's that's what it's about. It's about tying it in with with the commercial opportunities they have. Mm. Yeah, it seems kind of striking that you know, Return to Earth was something you had to pay for, 
whereas the adventure mm. games were available for nothing and yet and, and somehow they looked better <laughs> and yet they looked better and played better. better yeah if you watch some of the cutscenes in return to earth they deliberately cut away from their faces when they're doing the dialogue because they couldn't be bothered to animate the maps they're <laughs> <laughs> like that's how pushed for time yeah. they were um and and it also looks like it it has cutting edge visuals for something made about 10 years ago at that point mm. i mean the wii was certainly the least powerful games console at that point uh in the games market so you know they they were always working against that um but then of course you said you got the the eternity clock and that was meant to be a, a planned trilogy of games uh trying to and to, to sort of yeah and I, I wonder how that would have worked because if they actually pursued the trilogy with maybe one game a year you would have had the last game come out when peter capaldi was the doctor in 2014 mm. Uh, so I wonder, I wonder if they if they expected Matt to hang around for for the duration of that that project. Mm. Um, but you know, I think I think, and also the thing that was really again that game was fairly critically panned, but it was made by a, a, a studio called Supermassive Games. And then four years later, they had a smash hit indie horror game called Until Dawn. Um, I think it even won a BAFTA at at some point, um, uh, sort of like best original property. Because uh, that's something I like to follow. I like to follow sort of video games awards and see see what's doing well. Um, but but for some reason, with you know, with Doctor Who: The Eternity Clock, they must have been just sort of constrained by I think what the requirements of BBC executives were. In that it's sort of it's got to have a sort of mass market appeal. It's got to be recognisably Doctor Who. Um, I think the big step with it though was that they included Matt Smith and uh, Alex Kingston. Uh, in their performances and they also did motion capture so i think the, the good oh, thing right. about okay. watching some of the cutscenes that it is matt smith's performance uh which That's you don't cool. you don't know see yeah rather than some sort of standing actor pretending like doing the motion mm. capture for him and he's just doing dialogue in a studio so it, at least it, there's a kind of authenticity i think with the performances in that one but again it's it's about platforming side scrolling avoiding enemies you know uh fairly straightforward puzzles and you're thinking, is that really what Doctor Who's about? Mm, mm. But what, yeah, you know, it, yeah. Is that the dilemma then? Is like, is Doctor Who a, a, a thing that you can't make into a video video game because the premise doesn't doesn't work for it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, I always think of that that quote Stephen Moffat once said in a Doctor Who Confidential that you know, to get a, a great Doctor Who story, you've got to have a sort of a, a big budget sort of movie idea. And I think, you know, so in that sense, you know, lots of Doctor Who ideas, even though some of them work particularly well in the Doctor Who sense, they could work just as well without the Doctor Who branding, at which point you go, well, if I was if I was a, you know, a game studio and making a game and you're thinking, why would I spend all that money on sort of having the Doctor Who license when I think it works just as well? being sort of its own property mm. Although I mean, I that's just the, what makes I suppose it... the counterpoint to that is that the Doctor Who name would maybe sell a game that wouldn't necessarily yes. sell without it um uh, and and yes and I, I, I think i've said it a, a bit earlier you've got probably various uh, uh uh constraints and requirements coming down from sort of executives sort of trying to sort of control the project rather than perhaps letting a developer uh follow what they think might make a great game and something that might be interesting and fun to play um i'm not really sure so what what sort of gameplay mechanics you can derive from sort of the brand of Doctor Who. I mean, you get things like, oh, you can use a sonic screwdriver 
like they did with Return to Earth. You've got a Wii remote and you can use that like a sonic screwdriver um, or, um, you know, and, and yeah, solving fairly straightforward puzzles. Like it gets into, it sort of taps into the idea that, you know, the Doctor is someone who solves problems with his head rather than being a sort of action hero. And you're thinking, well, how does that make interesting gameplay? Well, I've always thought it would work well. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played Broken Sword or games like that from back in the day. I've heard of Broken Sword. I've not played or, it. It's a kind Grim, of, sort of point Grim, and click adventure Grim game. Grim Fandango, something like that. Yeah, those kind of um, point and click. You know, you, you walk into a room, there's objects to manipulate in the room. You can you can have different things in your inventory. You speak to different people and have to interpret what they're saying. Um, I've always felt Doctor Who, if it was going to become a game, would work best in that format. I think that's a really good idea. I haven't actually considered that, but I think I think you're right there in terms of that. It strikes that balance of of storytelling and some sort of gameplay element which comes with you know sol- solving problems. And it's not it's not like these short, very simple problems they have where it's like oh you've got to 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 put tiles in order to get sort of like yeah, no, a current not, not through a wire. No. It's it's actually thinking about what's happening on in the story and sort of trying to to solve some sort of of mystery yeah. or progress the story in some way, which I think I think gets more in terms to, you know, the storytelling aspect of the show. I think story is probably the most important aspect, and you've got to try and get Definitely. work that into your game. I think though that that the the reason maybe that something like that hasn't been made is that it requires a lot of care. Those sort of games clearly require a lot of care, time, yes, um, high writing talent. Do you know what I mean? It, it's mm-hmm. a lot of yes. things that are not maybe, attention to detail yes, that are yeah. not necessarily there right now with with putting good Doctor Who game together. Yeah, um, and another idea I think you know if, if you were to try and make a, a good Doctor Who video, I think another nice model is is I don't know if you played the the Walking Dead Telltale game or like their series of games where they have uh, you uh, you know you play as a character and you make various sort of dialogue choices within the story yeah. and then there's uh, occasionally like the the sort of you know uh, 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 an environment based puzzle or mm-hmm. some sort of moral choice to make during the course of the game and I always thought that would be interesting if you play that sort of a new companion mm. and then you're sort of thrown into the Doctor's world and then you're 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 sort of shaping your own character yeah. through the through the the world of Doctor Who uh, which would be interesting. Uh, but I don't think the executives are going to be that uh, imaginative enough to to go and commission something like that uh, from a from a game studio. It just studio. takes time and money, doesn't it? That sort of thing. That, that yeah, it does, that and it's, it's that immediacy. You know, some games can be in development for like four, five, six years. Mm. At which point, you've moved on to a completely different uh, production team managing yeah. the show, yeah. a completely different cast. So it's all about that kind of you know immediacy. I suppose the only way you uh, could with... maybe make that work is you 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 work on a game that is a sort of legacy thing where you you know th- there are different doctors available or you you know there it's it's a legacy product that's not necessarily tied into the current um, iteration of the of the program. Exactly, and you you kind of got that with the uh, there was a mobile game with. Uh, I think I think it was called Doctor Who Legacy, mm. or there's another one, Doctor Who Infinity. Yes, I remember seeing um, these. Um, yes, and you know, and they've you know, and they have sort of various characters in them. But I sort of look at that and go, it's just a match three gem game. There's yes, no, I remember. It's not really a Doctor Who. I actually game. downloaded one of them. I, I think it was Doctor Who Infinity. Thinking, wow, that looks exciting because I saw all the drawings of the various characters and the art style yeah. was really cool. Uh, and I downloaded it, and then it's yeah, it's pretty much just like Candy Crush or uh, like a yeah, exactly. like I say, like a ma- match matching gems game, which 
get that. And as I, as I said before, going back to the 1980s, 90s games, it's just taking a, an established game form yes. and reskinning yeah, it yeah, yeah. with a Doctor Who brand. Yeah, which yeah is, doesn't necessarily cut the mustard. No. There was, of course, um, the, the Lego I, Dimensions Doctor Who game. Yes, which, which I suppose in my, in my technicality of the definition, that doesn't count because it's DLC in a Lego mm, game mm. rather than being a, a Doctor Who game outright. But I think that's probably also a contender for the best uh, best Doctor Who video game product there's been in terms of that. It was like a mini episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen it I all on I'd YouTube. I've never played it, but I've seen it, I've seen it all on YouTube. I wish I wish I played it. And the, th- the thing I love most about that is that there's a bit where it's like there's Doctor Who, Batman and E.T. And E.T. sees the TARDIS and goes, E.T. phone home. That is fantastic. <laughs> I just thought that was, that yeah, was just such that. an inspired, inspired joke. But I, yeah, uh, I love and like, that's seeing great. all of the Doctors um, Legoified and um, watching them regenerate into each other. And then each one has... Um, his own TARDIS set that is yes. specific to there that. There was doctor. clearly a lot of, of of love and attention to detail. Yeah. Now, so we're going to have all the different TARDISes, all the different Doctors. It was brilliant. And they kind of got they kind of got their mannerisms as well. I think in some of the animations. Mm, totally, yeah. It's it like caricatured versions of the, the the other Doctors, all the Doctors' mannerisms. It would be great if we got a full blown Lego Doctor Who game, wouldn't it? Yes. I mean, if they did do a full-blown one and they did like their own sort of episodic adventures, I mean, the the thing they tend to do with the Lego games is to go back on past franchises, film franchises yeah. or TV shows, and and gamify the the episodes we've seen. That so would be we great would, too. We would play for uh, I I think that would. I think that actually. You would. know, you I, pick I don't a, you think pick I've ever a, a bad Lego game. You pick a classic story for each Doctor, and you do a sort of mini mini Lego version of that. You know. Yeah, that would work really well. I I want to play I want to play Lego Megalos now. <laughs> you know, part that of me would thinks be that that isn't the one that they'd pick. <laughs> C- Cactus Cactus Tom Baker as as a Lego figure. That would be How so fab. My favorite thing about Cactus Tom Baker from Megalos is that um, Tom Baker is the only person to have had two madame to swords waxwork yes. models of him of himself at the same time on display because there was a there was a megalos cactus version of tom baker as well as the the regular tom baker i just love that yeah yes uh i mean and and megalos isn't that bad actually it's all uh, right is that is, 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 <laughs> uh wrong unpopular opinion there uh <laughs> We could, uh, yeah, we could this, do that this discussion hasn't way. been as negative as I thought it would be. We've kind of sort of dissected what what Doctor Who games are and what they could be, rather than me berating. I think we've it, actually as, as carved some potential avenues that that the Doctor Who video game could mm. could go down. Um, which yes, is nice. and I mean bringing back to some of the most recent ones, they've had a couple of VR games with with Jodie Whittaker. Yes, I, I, that the, is the one thing... I have played actually. Um, I had a friend who's got the whole VR situation, and I I um, briefly um, played it at his house, and um, it was a lot of fun actually. Uh, was that the Runaway? It was or the Edge, the of, edge time? of Time. Um, okay, that was that, that's like the longer. Yes, the, the one because the Runaway is like a, a fifteen uh, sort of minute. Again, though, uh, very clever tech demo. It did seem like something that had been repackaged as Doctor Who a bit, mm-hmm. like it. You know, it it was clearly Doctor Who, but it 
there were points at which you feel uh, which you felt like well this could have kind of been any game and mm-hmm. yeah do you know what i mean yeah um yeah i i know i know what you mean uh, um i mean in the news recently the doctor who the runaway has, has been nominated for an emmy and that's doctor who's first emmy nomination ever wow. is for a video game um and it's it's one of two candidates in its category oh my god and that's the runaway. Um, that's the other, the one that's uh, the other one. Wow. Okay. Um, I think that I think that one was actually more critically well received, and I think huh. even though it's a much shorter game, um, and uh, but it was a free again, it was a free download, something that people can experience yeah. if they have a VR set at home. Um, uh, so good luck to that. Hope it beats Big Mouth, uh, <laughs> which is the other candidate in the category. There's a Big Mouth um, VR game. Some some sort of interactive experience. The category is, is 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 something like yeah, best inter it's best sort of video game interactive experience product based on a, an existing TV series wow. or something That's like that. That's a narrow category, uh, isn't it? It it is it is narrow. Blimey. Um, in, uh, I did have to dig to go and find that because most of the news items just said, "Oh, Doctor has been nominated for an Emmy," and I thought I've never heard of this category, <laughs> and I, I don't know who the other nominees are. And that's probably why it's buried quite far down yes. the, the shortlist. Yeah. Wow. Um, Crikey. Do you think, though, that even though we've carved out these potential um, potential avenues that Doctor Who video games could go down, um, it just won't happen because of lack of lack of money and time? Lack, lack of sort of money, time and will. And I also think it, it's quite difficult from a licensing perspective mm. because you've got so many authors uh, over the course of the history of Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've got you've kind of got to collect them all together at the same time. So there's 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 a big sort of job there in terms of, of behind the scenes and managing it to, to give it that sort of authentic uh, experience. It would have to be someone's real focus, wouldn't it? Yes. Someone, you know, you sort of a whole wholeheartedly in, into it rather than sort of someone who can make it within within the time and budget that the bbc yeah and uh, i think so would give to such a project yeah so far that's that hasn't been the case and it's been it's it's more been okay we're launching a new era of doctor who or we're launching a series of doctor who what tie-in products can we make okay some action figures okay a pack of top trumps okay let's make a video game like and mm-hmm. i don't think i don't think i mean i'm not like i said i'm i'm not someone who really plays computer games or video games but I don't think there's something that you can that you can just give that little thought to really, and and uh, yeah, because it's quite it's quite a big undertaking. Yes, but it it also struck me out thinking about how well there's great Doctor Who TV stories, you've got great audios, you've got great comics, you've got great novels and books, and you're thinking, well, why has has it not landed with the video game Mm, mm. uh, format, Um, and whether whether it's just it's just something that they find too difficult to sort of boil down Doctor Who into, into that kind of yeah. format. Yeah, I guess like a yeah, a book is just... A book makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's kind of, well, Doctor Who stories are stories anyway, so yes. it's just putting them in a different format, it's really. Just su- it's, such a, it's such a fundamentally different medium. Yeah. I mean, someone I follow on, on Twitter who I, who I like reading tweets from is Rihanna Pratchett, mm. who is the daughter of Terry Pratchett. Right, okay. Uh, writer of Discworld, uh, but she she's also a writer. But she writes for video games. She wrote for the Tomb, ba- Tomb Raider reboot uh, series of games that have come out over sort of the past five or six years. And her father never understood the kinds of writing problems that she encountered 
working on such a series he's like well why don't you just invent a new character it's like but we've already made these assets and we've hired these actors and you've kind of got to write around that you know in the same way but with a tv show once you've got you know your set and your cast and stuff yeah yeah. if you've got a problem in the script you've got to work around that you can just make up anything and change anything within reason exactly yeah uh so it's it's all about having someone I think tailored to that, and I think perhaps some of the people who have written for for Doctor Who games in the past are, have their basis in the novels mm, and the TV mm. shows, who who don't who aren't uh, people who regularly write for video yeah. games and perhaps understand the format a bit. You maybe better. need someone who does who is a regular video game writer, but is also a, a Doctor Who fan um, to, to, yes. to do that. I think maybe is there a sense that like again, a, a not a, not a video games person, but I remember when I was a kid, pretty much every blockbuster film would have a tie-in game, and those were a lot of the yeah. games that people would buy and would appeal to me. And you know, you'd end up seeing advertised and stuff. Whereas now, yeah, no, I, I feel like that isn't as much of a thing as it used to be, and mm. it's games are more more of a um, in, gaming is more of an industry in and of itself, and there's not as much of a reliance on tying games to tv and film in general do you know what i mean yes and i think i think people are savvier with games as well mm. they know which ones are sort of good or not or maybe they're just all playing fortnite who know <laughs> they don't, they're not looking for for games at the supermarket yeah. they can download them from home yes 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 that's so, true yeah but uh, also like there are so there are blockbuster seen... games now like i'm thinking of things like the last of us or um yes. you know uh, uh fallout I can, I can or tie something that to doctor who actually uh because stephen moffat presented the bafta for for uh writing to the last of us oh wow when it cool. came out uh so that's a doctor who connection there um there's there's a really you know and he you should look that up because he did like a, a really stephen moffatty introduction to it about how video games are a, a brand new art form one that i'm completely incapable of writing for and so i'm here groveling to my future bosses <laughs> with something along uh along the lines and he said also i've got an award to give away and for the first time ever, I don't think it should go to me. <laughs> That's so fantastic. It's it's so Moffat, yes. Yeah, wow. Uh, We've spent all this time talking about Doctor Who video games and how they're all failures and none of them work. <laughs> but I've just realised that about three months ago, the best Doctor Who video game ever was released by the BBC. 13. Go on. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh uh, oh god, flash games. I mean, I remember that came out, and then I was playing that for like a couple it, of it hours. It has ruined my life. Day. I still play it, it every it day. Did. It, it gives me nightmares. And then one day, I was just like, I've got to stop. It's just a lot of people have said this. Day, they've just had to. They've just had, had to go cold turkey from not playing it because I was like, oh, I'm finally not sad <laughs> because I can't get thirteen. How high did you get? Um, it it actually took me. I think on my third game. The first day I played it, I managed to get to Matt Smith. Wow. Right. Um, Here's my I, other question I, I, I was going to got... ask you then. Is it a maths thing? Like, is it being good at maths <laughs> I... uh, and being good at, like, that the whole game theory thing that, that makes uh, you better at There's 13? a strategy thing. I love how you've brought this full circle, Molly. It's uh, in terms of the, the conversation. But, I yeah, I think there's some underlying mathematics to it. Uh, not that I particularly want to think about it. <laughs> because it's just 
it's just painful not getting to 13. I spent so many hours trying to get to 12 and I'm like, it's impossible. Someone's done You're it. Not get Someone's there. got to 13 now, I saw on Twitter. Someone did yeah. it. And my first my first instinct was, uh, they're lying. They can't have. No one could yeah, have yeah, done yeah, that. Yeah. It's impossible. Uh, but congratulations to, to that person. Well, I'm sure it was time well spent. I've not... <laughs> I've not seen more than one person do it though, and in fact, I've not seen more than a couple of people get to twelve. Never mind thirteen. Yeah, um, I, I mean, because when when you when you convert it back into you know the numbers in twenty forty eight, I think it's the tenth Doctor is twenty forty eight. Right, right. So then at that point, Matt Smith is 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 double that. Come on, four thousand and ninety six, and then uh, twelve would be eight thousand one hundred ninety two, which then means Jodie Whittaker 16, is sixteen thousand, right? Uh, and something. 16,000 and... Come on, maths man. 16,864? Oh, no. Like, is, is that right? I don't know. My, my Email in if he's wrong, everyone. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I've got, I've got no further than David Tennant. And I must have played it. I, I'm not joking. Hundreds of times since it came out. Like I've played it. I, I still play it every day. And I've not got any further than, than the 10th Doctor. Um, maybe my strategy is wrong. I don't know. My strategy is don't worry about whether you're in a corner or not. Just focus on getting rid of the low ones. And that seems yeah. to, that seems to. I, I go for I go for a corner strategy. Right. I've heard the corner. I've heard the corner strategy is a good one. Um, yes, it's it's always been very successful because I I also spent many hours because there's a mobile game called Threes and that was the the basis for 2048. Right. It's a it's a, a bit more sophisticated, but then somebody took it and thought, what if I just sl- changed, changed it to just powers of two mm. and then you slide it along? Uh, but So I, I always feel a little bad for, for threes because I think it's a really great mobile game and it's got, it's got a little bit more complexity to kind of the strategy with it. Yeah. And then 2048 came along and did sort of very basic clone of it. And then everyone remembers 2048, but not the game that it was based on. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, called threes uh, i've just done i'm hoping this is sixteen thousand three hundred eighty four because i could not bear not <laughs> working out what was double eight one nine two on a piece of paper in front of you me you did it well done uh, thank you very much um i remember my disappointment playing playing 13 when i realized that the war doctor was in it i i, I oh yeah i had the same thing I, yeah. I got to eight i got two paul mcgowan's i was like here we go chris exton i saw john hurt and i'd never been like, so no. disappointed <laughs> to see john hurt in my life and the worst the worst <laughs> thing is when you're you back yourself into a corner a bit it's like you 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 your board is full and then you are relying on a heart null appearing in your one empty space and the game gives you a trout yes why does it do this and to you, you just you just think it's conspiring it against is, you, don't you? I just think it should always spit out Hartnells. Why does it give you Troutons at all? <laughs> is there some <laughs> is there some mathematical reason that it has to that it has to sometimes give you a give you a four rather than a two? Uh, whoever programmed it, you've got to ask them okay. and why they thought that was that was a great Cause idea. Because they're, cause they're uh, but it does bastard, it does remind me why. of the Five Who fans video where they explained why William Hartnell is the worst doctor it's because he keeps showing up <laughs> William Hartnell is always there yeah. he always appears yes, when I you, forgot when you about don't that video. want him it's like that yeah that was a prophetic it video is. actually yeah 
It is. Um, I love that video from them because people in the comments were like, William Hartnell was not the worst Doctor and they clearly hadn't watched, watched the, the video, video to, to see the, see well, the they joke. Were always, five Year fans were always trolling people like that, weren't they? And I thought that was one of the most brilliant yes. things about them. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think 13 is definitively the best Doctor Who game. I, I couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> and I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> what is it for you then? Is it the Lego Dimensions or is it the adventure games? Um, it's, it, again, it, it comes from to the definition because I think I think Lego Dimensions Doctor Who is probably the most fun and the one I'd I'd want to go and play. But I think Adventure Games is perhaps the best embodiment of of Doctor Who in a video game format so far. Interesting. And then I think the subsequent attempts was kind of sort of over egg the pudding, so to speak. Mm. Um, kind of, kind of, yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, hopefully in the future. We can, we can. Hopefully, uh, you you'll know, be proved and, and wrong. The great and thing about this yeah. opinion is that I, if I'm proved wrong, there's a great Doctor Who game. Yes, and yeah, if, yeah. if I'm right, my opinion. You stands. get the satisfaction of being right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've hedged my bets there. I mean, I already think you're wrong because 13 exists. So, <laughs> I think I think 13 has been a curse on it. Think of all the things that could have been created by Doctor Who fans if they didn't spend hours <laughs> playing 13. You make a good point. Um, where can people find your uh, musings on maths and Doctor Who and on and your other other thoughts uh, on your blog? Uh, you can you can read my uh, Doctor Who and maths blogs and also occasional uh, reviews of the the Black Archive range on uh, www.theblogger.onTheInside.wordpress.com. Uh, I've also got a link to that on my Twitter bio which is, uh, so my Twitter is at Evan underscore uh, 257. What is the significance of 257? Uh, is it just what Twitter suggested uh, you, you picked? No, it's, 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 it's my birthday, 25th of July. Oh. Uh, and, you can... uh, and and also, I think it's it's one above twenty four seven, which I, I like. Oh, that is and one better than yeah, being yeah, Evan yeah. 24-7, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, you can find uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Molly underscore Martian, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Galactic Yo-Yo Pod, and you can send me an email. Um, please do if you want to correct Evan's maths um, at uh, <laughs> at Yo-Yo Pod at gmail dot com. Um, and apart from that, thank you for listening, everybody. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, you 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 have listened to enough Galactic Yo-Yo episodes, Evan, to know that you also should say bye. So many guests uh, yes. don't seem to have an awareness of that. Bye, everybody. Well, I think it's because you don't, you don't prompt them. But I, 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 look, <laughs> I prompt them with my face, but they don't see my face. I so, can't see your face. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I, shouldn't expect, I shouldn't expect them to know. I think, I think you should cue the guest before you say goodbye, goodbye yourself, because then they will know. I, sh- I should say... It, it, what say goodbye after three? That how it, it would be so uncomfortable. <laughs> this is of all well, the bits of the podcast that, them, that and it's and and they and then it's goodbye from me. Like you had that thing, didn't you? At one I, point, it was kind mm, of like the two runners. Yeah, I, I did used to do that. I thought it was a bit try hard though. I I phased that out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I find of all the bits of the podcast that I sometimes have to re-record, this is the one that I re-record the most. This is the one that I go, okay, I'm going to do a, a do over of this bit and say goodbye again. Because uh, I find it <laughs> find it so painful. But yes, thank you everybody. Goodbye. We're still recording. Yeah, of course we are. That's <laughs> that's all going in.
and this, and this, and this. Okay, we're, we're, that is the end. <laughs>